0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're finishing up our series all on Christmas, and this week we're going to be talking about peace. And that's always an interesting thing, because I'm the eternal optimist. Uh, I love, my favorite Christmas card that I get every year is the one always has, sometimes the three wise men, or sometimes they'll have the angels announcing, but always say, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I love that one. Because my idea of what Christmas is going to be like every year is that we're all going to set up the tree and we're going to decorate it together as a family and everybody's going to be so happy. And then we're all going to snuggle up on the couch together with the lights off and just bathe in the glory of the tree with all the ornaments and the lights on it. That we're going to go to bed early on Christmas Eve, get a good sleep, wake up at about 8 a.m. And then we'll have a nice breakfast together. We will read Luke chapter 2 together as a family remember Jesus and his advent, and then we'll open up the presents in a, a fashionly, like, you know, an organized way where everybody opens every gift and they're blown away by how amazing it is and how much we love them. There won't be any fighting or squawking or disappointment. And every year, my hopes are just completely destroyed by the reality of what it is that happens. I think it's always like kind of a joke that people send you this peace on earth card because that's nothing what Christmas is really like. So on the 24th, We're looking at our stockings that are on the wall, and it's in the afternoon, and Eason, my son, goes, Daddy, there's something in your stocking. And he's excited about that, but when I hear it, I'm filled with dread because I'm like, what do you mean there's something in my stocking? Because I know there's nothing in my wife's stocking. (laughs) And I'm like, "I didn't. what, we're getting stocking gifts for each other now? I didn't know about this. So I know that on the 24th, I have to go out, and I have to find a gift to put inside of my wife's stocking, or else it is not going to go well for me. So I go out there, and the traffic is insane. It's crazy. You see, what happens is you go out there, and I'm always amazed because you get out there, and you see that the mall is just packed with guys. There are no girls in the mall on the 24th. They did their shopping the day after Thanksgiving. It's just packed with guys. You guys treat the last day of the shopping season like the opening day of deer season. They are all out there, and if it's brown, it's down. You're not looking for a good gift anymore. You're just looking for a gift, and you're just, you know, you're fighting over the scraps that are left at the CVS gas station. And so I'm there, and then I go to Kroger because I have to pick up some food, too. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what, what am I going to do? And it's crazy there. And so finally we get it done. We get to bed about 2 a.m. because we have to wrap all of our gifts still because we're just weren't on top of things. Kids wake up about 2:01 a.m. <laughs> and they want to open all of the gifts. So we open up all the gifts, and you know, in my head, they're all going to be so thankful because we put a lot of thought into everything that we got them. And the problem is, something they wanted two months ago, and we got it for them, might not be what they want anymore, and they don't care about it. And so my little girl, as she's opening gifts, she just turned two, so she's finally starting to understand materialism. And she's opening the gifts, and she gets to the point where she's not even finishing opening the gifts. She unwraps them about halfway, throws them onto the ground, and grabs another gift. And I'm like... That's Christmas, and baby Jesus came. Let's throw some more gifts on the ground. And Ethan, uh, there was one gift we were real excited to give him, and he opened it up, and he looked at it, and he goes, I think you got me the wrong gift. <laughs> I'm like, what? This isn't what I expected. So then we have all these new gifts for them, and then we throw them in the car and drive two hours to Grandma's house, and they haven't gotten a chance to play with the one or two gifts they actually liked. So they're crying and screaming on the way to Grandma's because they've had too much sugar, and it's not a normal nap time, and now we're driving. We get to Grandma's house. There's a, a lot of kids running around everywhere, more screaming, more sugar, more crying, more opening gifts, fighting over gifts. One girl breaks her wrist, very loud crying at that point and then trying to get them to take their naps and more crying. Finally, we get more sugar in them, throw them back in the van to come back across for two hours, more crying. Somehow traffic is insane coming home on Christmas Day. And we get back home. We try to sneak them into their their beds while they're asleep, right? But that doesn't work. They wake up, remember that there are toys there that they didn't get a chance to play with yet, so they scream and cry because they want to play with their toys and they've had too much sugar and it's too late. Finally, the kids get to bed, and I'm just like, I am so glad that Christmas is over. Let's not do this next year. Because there was no peace on earth, and I was not feeling a lot of goodwill towards men at this point. And you look up and you see that card, and it's the joke. It's like Someone sarcastically sent me this peace on earth card. But the problem is, for a lot of people, Christmas isn't a peaceful time. It can be a time that's hectic. And even worse, it can be a time that's filled with a lot of grief and a lot of turmoil, because the loneliest time for many people in the entire year is Christmas. It's a time where if you're alone, you feel alone. It's a time where if you've lost someone that you love, you really remember and you really relive that grief because you have all the memories of the Christmases that you spent with them and you know that they're supposed to be there. For a lot of people, it's a time where there is conflict and strife within your marriage or with your children, uh, financial strife that comes along with it. There are all kinds of issues that happen in ourselves, in our families, with our friends, whatever it might be, that aren't peaceful. And then you look at what's going on in the world. Look at the violence that we see every day. Just yesterday, there were two shootings in malls that I'm aware of. And look at the wars that are going on, the violence that we see on a daily basis and that we're really becoming callous to and just accepting as a new part of the way that we live. And we look and we see that we live in a world without peace. We live in a world that is very much in need of peace. Peace. And this isn't something that's new and unique to us. It's the way that the world has been since sin entered into it. See, a lot of times we don't take sin seriously, and we don't understand what the big deal is about it because we view sin with a a very self-centric view of it. And we just see how the sin plays out in our own lives, and we're like, what's the big deal with sin? But the reason that we see the wars, the violence, the destruction is a result of sin. And this is why it's such a big deal to God, because God created a perfect world. God created a world that was filled with peace. And our sin has destroyed and ravaged the good and perfect world that he created. And we live our lives longing for peace because we know that the way that we exist isn't the way that we're supposed to be. The world that we see around us isn't the way that it was created to be. And God himself longs for peace. See, what it is that we destroy God is able to restore. And that's the good news of Christmas. We long for peace, and God longs to give peace to us. And that's why when he was speaking through the prophet Isaiah about what it was that the Savior would be and what he would do, he said this in Isaiah 9, 6-7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, What it's saying is that Jesus, the Messiah, the one who God sent to restore all things, is the Prince of Peace. And that word peace is shalom, which means completeness. There is a complete peace. There is well-being that encompasses you entirely, who you are spiritually. And by saying that Jesus is the prince of peace, it's saying that he is the one who comes in peace, he is the one who establishes peace, and he is the one who upholds peace. And that peace is going to continue to increase from the time he came into the world until the time that he comes again and brings a completion of peace to all things. And that's good news. Because I need peace. I want peace. And I look around at the world, and I see that the world is so desperately in need of the peace that Jesus brings. And this was confirmed. The prophecy was confirmed when Jesus was born. Because you remember, if you've ever watched a Charlie Brown Christmas special... The Linus gets up there and says that the angels appeared, and they said that to this day is born to you in the city of David um, in Bethlehem a Savior, and the angels all said glory to God in highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The angels were confirming that peace had entered into the world, that this prince of peace had come. And so you might have an expectation for what the world is going to look like now that the prince of peace is here, and knowing that prophecy about him and what it is that Jesus is going to do. But then you read just a little bit later, and Herod's trying to kill all the, baby boys, all the baby boys in the nation of Israel. So the prince of peace comes, the one who's going to restore peace to the entire world, enters into the world, and then shortly after that, we see thousands of babies killed. Does that seem like something that the prince of peace would usher in? But the response to Jesus coming into the world to bring us peace Was violence. And to many people, I would imagine, maybe to the shepherds, it looked like Jesus had failed. It looked like God's plan to bring peace had failed. And I think if we're real honest with ourselves, a lot of times we can feel that way about Jesus as well. We can look at our lives and see the turmoil and the conflict that continues to exist. We look at the world around us and it's easy to say, God, did you fail? Jesus, where is the peace? that you promised to bring to us where is the shalom and the reason that we feel this way so many times and have this tension that exists inside of us is because we don't have a full understanding of the peace that Jesus brings to us and he himself addressed this issue in John chapter 14 he says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid Jesus is saying that there is a difference between the peace of the world and the way that the world gives peace and the peace that he brings and the way that he gives this peace. See, in the world, peace is defined as a lack of expressed conflict. Things are peaceful when you're not having conflict with other people. It doesn't mean that there's no inner turmoil inside of you and ill feelings towards each other, but you're not expressing that. So you have peace. And what's the way that the world brings peace? It's always through violence. A great general once said that peace is just the time between wars. Every peace treaty that's ever been signed, every peace accord that's ever been implemented has always been the result of violence being imposed on someone until they surrender. And then there's peace. It's like saying, I'm going to hurt you until you love me. But that's the way that the world gives peace. It's always through violence. But that's not the way that Jesus came to bring peace. That's not the peace that he brings, and it's not the way that he gives it. It's interesting, the way that Jesus then goes on to talk more about the peace that he brings is by saying, you know, I've brought you peace, I've given you peace, now don't be scared. Have you ever had someone tell you something like that? You're like, well, I wasn't afraid until you told me not to be scared. When I read that verse, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're giving me peace. Why is it that I should be fearful of anything? If you've given me peace, there's going to be nothing to be afraid of, right? So, Jesus, why are you saying this? You're kind of freaking me out here right now. And it's because Jesus didn't come to bring peace in the way that we think. It says that he came first and foremost to bring us peace with God. In Colossians chapter 1, it says this. And through him, this is talking about Jesus and what God's plan was for him. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. And Ephesians chapter 2 goes on to expand on this idea even more. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. What Jesus is doing is it's saying that Jesus gives us peace with God. See, we were once all enemies with God. This is what it's saying is that we had rebelled against him. We had rejected God. We had rejected his call and his way for us to live our lives. We rebelled against the king of heaven. We weren't connected with God, and we lived a life feeling distant from him, fearing his punishment, feeling unable to be connected to him, but knowing that there's something there and there's something more for our lives. But because we were living as enemies, because sin had infected us and destroyed and broken that relationship with them, there was no way for us to have the peace with God. We lived as enemies, but Jesus came to earth. Divinity entered history to save humanity. He emptied himself of his power. He emptied himself of his rights and his privileges. He was born in a manger amongst the animals. He grew up a peasant in a despised class of people. He served all people. He was rejected. He was beaten. He laid his life down on the cross, taking our sins upon himself as so that he that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. And what that's talking about is that when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins upon himself. The things that separated us from God, our sins, he took on himself. And by dying on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin, thereby removing our sin from us. He didn't just pay the price and the penalty for our sin. It says that he took our sin from us. So now when God looks at you, he doesn't see the mistakes, he doesn't see the failures, the times that you've let him down and gone against his will. It says that he looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Christ that you are pure, you are spotless, and you are holy. It says that he chooses to remove the memory of our sin from himself. When he looks at you, he doesn't see all the things that you've done and all the disappointments and the ways that you've let him down. He looks at you and he sees a pure, holy, righteous son or daughter as righteous as Jesus himself is. I remember when I was a kid and... I, you know, made a decision to follow Jesus, and then I went out, and, you know, I sinned, and then I come back, and I'm like, oh, I need to get saved again, and I, you know, I went down to the altar probably like 15 times to get saved, because I was always scared, like, you know, God doesn't love me anymore, I sinned, I'm not saved, but what happened is, I didn't understand that all of my sins were taken upon Jesus, all of them, the ones of the past, the present, and the future, they were all put on the cross. And that I didn't have to keep coming and thinking, Jesus doesn't love me, I'm not saved, I, you know, whatever. There were times where there's intentional sin in your life, you need to repent of that, and you need to confess that and to get right with God, but it doesn't remove the fact that you've been made a son or a daughter. Those unintentional sins in your life, you ask God to forgive you and you move on, but repentance doesn't mean that you come crying down to the altar every week thinking that you've been a terrible person and Jesus doesn't love you. Repentance means that you change the way that you think. And then the way that you act is changed by that. You want to change the way that you live? Change the way you think. And when you change the way that you think to line up with Scripture and God's will, then you won't have to worry about the actions that you do. Because you always follow your thoughts. And that's a part of growth and maturity in Jesus. But you need to know that when you made that decision to follow Jesus and you asked him to forgive you of your sins and to be a part of his family, you received the righteousness of Christ and that you have right standing now before him and that he loves you, he cherishes you, and he doesn't hold your sins against you. We're the ones that keep reminding God of all of our sins. Have you ever done that? And now for all of those of us that accepted this free gift of salvation, the weight The stain of sin has been completely removed from us and we have peace with God. Our relationship with him is restored. He is our father. And there's no love like the love of a father for you. And he is a good, good father. There's total peace between us and relationship has been restored. So what does that mean? If you have peace with God, the creator of the world, the one who spoke everything into being, the one who nothing is impossible for, then it means that you can have peace in any situation. Not just with God, but now you can have peace wherever it is that you go. Because God is with you. A lot of times we think that when we have peace, it's going to be the absence of something. But that's not what peace is. Peace is the presence of someone. That's why when the angels told Mary that she was going to conceive and have a child, they said, and his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Jesus restored. That's what this peace now that we have with him is enabled, is that we now have God with us. And when God is with you, It doesn't matter what the conflict is. It doesn't matter what the strife is. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going through in this life. When God is with you, you don't have to be afraid. When God is with you, you don't have to be worried. You don't have to live in turmoil. You can live in perfect peace. I like taking my kids to the Toledo Zoo, and one of my favorite animals is the cheetah because it's the fastest animal on land. You always have this great idea and expectation of what they're going to do when you see them, and every time you see them, They're sleeping. They're laying, they're the laziest animal on the entire face of the earth. And maybe running 70 plus miles an hour means you have to sleep 23 and a half hours a day. But every time I go, I'm excited to see one. I want to see one run. And they're always just laying there sleeping. Well, one time we were there and they were actually awake. And they came right up to the viewing panel. And so, I'm, you know, everybody's got their phone out. We're all trying to record them and take pictures. Like, oh my gosh, it's a cheetah and it's moving. And... Uh, Brielle, my little two-year-old, she goes up to the glass and she's looking at them. And the cheetah bears its fangs, growls, and leaps at the glass, (laughs) right at her. I mean, my daughter looks tasty to this animal, and she's freaking out. She starts crying and she's like, "Ah!" And so I pick her up, and as soon as I pick her up, she's brave again. And then she's like, "I'm a cheetah!" And so she wants me. I'm holding her. I'm trying to get her down close to the cheetah because she wants to see the cheetah again. What was the difference? She had her daddy with her now, and she wasn't scared. The intentions of the cheetah did not change. The cheetah still wanted to devour my child. (laughs) But she had daddy holding her, so she wasn't scared anymore. It's the same way for us with God. When we have him, when we are resting in his arms, we can have peace in any situation that we go through. Because we have the one who is all-powerful as our Father, and we have peace with him, and he can bring peace into any situation in which we find ourselves. And so this is the way that we receive this peace, because I think we all want that kind of peace in our lives, but the way that we receive it is by trusting in God. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, your ability to receive peace is directly related to your ability to trust God. When I leave my children with one of our babysitters, I have peace of mind when I go out with my wife because I know that they're going to take care of my children. Have you ever left your kids with someone that you didn't really trust that much? You weren't sure if they're going to be able to take care of them. Your mind will have no peace. Anytime I go in to have surgery, who do I make my power of attorney in case they had to make decisions for me? My wife. Because I trust that she is going to fight for me and to advocate for my life. You know who I wouldn't make my power of attorney? Someone that's the same blood type of me and needs a kidney. They're going to be like, hmm, let's pull the plug. You know, I would not have peace about that. You want to trust that person. And when you trust that person, you have peace about the situation. So let me ask you this. If you trust God, you will have peace. If you don't have peace in your life, are you really trusting God? Your level of faith and trust in God is always determined by whether you have peace in your life or whether you're living with worry and anxiety. Because that's always going to be the natural temptation. That's the natural way of life. But when we have full trust in God, we can go into the scariest of situations and circumstances, say, God, I trust you, and there will be a perfect peace that comes over us. And really, the way that this trust in God is expressed is through prayer, because trust always leads us to pray. Philippians 4 6 through 7 says this Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you trust God, what you do is you go to him in prayer and you say, God, I'm entrusting you with this situation because it's above me, it's beyond me but I really believe that you're the God who nothing is impossible for so I'm going to put my faith in you I'm going to give this situation over to you and trust that you are going to work this for my good and prayer releases peace because peace isn't getting everything that we want That's why Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. It says His peace, He's left for us. His peace, He gives to us. But He never promised that our life was going to be easy. It's quite the opposite. We will have trials. We will have tribulations. We will find ourselves in situations and circumstances where the natural response isn't going to be overwhelming peace for you. But when you come to the place of prayer, what you do is you say, God, I believe you. I put my faith in you. I need you to take over in this situation. And when you do that, there's peace that comes over you because you know that it's not you that's in charge of making the outcome of this anymore. You've appealed to the highest authority. You've gone to the one who is all-powerful. And you know that he's going to work your good in this situation. And this year when I went through my surgeries, uh, people asked me, were you scared? When you went into that, I was like, no, absolutely not. And I'm not lying or being dishonest about that. I went into it on the operating table with a perfect peace because I knew who God is. I know what he's capable of. I know that he can speak one word and bring complete health and healing to me. I know that he is my provision. I know that he is the one who will sustain me. And even if I were never to wake up, he's already provided eternal life for me. And I will go into his presence forevermore. I can go through anything with perfect peace. The hardest moment for me in all of this was it was about three years ago. And it was by far the hardest moment of my life where I felt the most, t- most turmoil. It was as I was watching my father-in-law pass into heaven. And we'd been at the hospital for a couple of days watching him and waiting. And then finally, after a couple of days of no sleep, we went home to get a couple of hours of rest. And I laid down in my bed and I just broke down. And I just had that moment, like, God, what is happening? Like, how can this possibly be? I've never wanted someone to be healed in my whole life more than I wanted to see him be healed. And I didn't I even have that moment, like, God, how can you do this? You know, I came over here, I left everything to plant a church. Like, surely shouldn't I get some sort of favor in this situation? What's happening seems really unfair to me, and I felt completely powerless because there was nothing that I could do. And I was crying in my bed, and it wasn't just those manly little tears in the corner of your eye. It was I was bawling my eyes out, weeping. And I just said, God, I need you to come into this situation. Jesus, I entrust my heart to you. I entrust my father-in-law to you. I entrust my mother-in-law and my, my sister-in-law and my wife and everybody else. We put ourselves into your arms. You are the one who's going to bring good out of this situation. And the moment I did that, Peace came over me. A peace that surpassed all understanding because the situation hadn't changed. My circumstances were exactly the same as they had been before. But I had peace. And a couple, and it was actually that day he ended up passing away. And although he left, that peace never left me. Because God has made peace with us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And what we celebrate at Christmas is God with us. We're with our Father. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Every morning I always think it's really important for us to to spend some time just really listening to what it is that God wants to say to us. And the question I'd ask you guys this morning is, first of all, do you have peace? Do you have peace with God? Do you still feel like there's a distance between you and God, that you don't have relationship with him? Do you feel like he's looking down at you and, and judging you and condemning you, like you've let him down? Then the first step for you this morning is to just say, Jesus... I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Adopt me into your family. Remove all of my sins from me so that I stand pure and spotless before you. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you with everything that I am. I put my faith in you for my salvation, and I put my faith in you to lead me and to guide me and to be the Lord over my life. Because it all starts first with having that peace with God. Are there situations in your life where you're lacking peace, where you're living with worry, anxiety? Maybe it's in your marriage or relationship. Maybe it's with your children or with a parent. Maybe there are people that you love dearly who are far from God and it's eating you up inside. Maybe it's a health issue for you or a work issue or financial issue. Whatever it might be, is there some situation that God's revealing to you right now where you desperately need his peace in your life? And are you able now to trust God in that place? You'll say, God, I don't know how you're going to work in this situation, but it's beyond me, and I want to put my faith and my trust in you. if that's you this morning... Every eyes closed, you be so bold just to raise your hand as a sign of saying, God, I want your peace. Would you fill me with your peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding? God, would you fill me with joy again? God, would you remove every barrier, every wall, so that I would know your presence like I never have before? So thank you. Because this is the promise that we have. The Prince of Peace has come, and his peace he gives to us, his peace he leaves with us. So we're just going to go to God in prayer now. We're going to trust him with these situations. And we're going to let that peace come over us. Father, we thank you that you are the one who brought us peace. Jesus, thank you that on the cross when you shed your blood and removed our sins from us, that peace was restored with God. God, we thank you that we have the hope of eternal life. We thank you that you are the God who nothing is impossible for, that you are the one who has overcome all things. Sin and death have been defeated, that you reign victorious at the right hand of the Father, and you are able to move in every situation. And God, we pray now, we bring all of these situations, Lord, right now where there's turmoil and anxiety in our life, and we say, God, would you take this? We put this into your hands. God, would you remove the burden of it from us? so that we can trust you regardless of what the outcome might be. We know that you are the one who will take care of it. You are the one who will fill us with your perfect peace. Jesus, breathe your peace on us now as we release these things to you. And as you go, don't say, God, I'm going to give this to you and then pull it back when you leave today. You lay it down before God and say, God, I entrust you fully to this. And when that temptation comes to feel like you have to take care of it again, you leave it. You leave it. Jesus, speak to every heart this morning. Fill us with your strength and fill us with your presence. Thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And we look forward expectantly to the day when you will return and there will be a perfect peace. But we know now that we can entrust ourselves into your hands as we await that day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.